what is happening right now? Why we can't get anything going? We just want momentum. We just want something to seem like we're one thing to like show us that we're doing the right thing. One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. We are back. You're not going to do the and we're back bottle open entrance again. Oh yeah, shoot! I don't have any bottles. I'm actually sitting in a, or cans or anything for that matter. I'm sitting in the what was once a one car garage that was then a shed and it is now going to be the office right behind our house. It's like a detached garage thing. So, but it's not ready for prime time. So I do have a mini fridge, the one from our old office, but there's nothing inside. And you don't have a desk either. I had a desk that I guess we actually I made that desk with like Ikea an Ikea countertop. I made a two-person desk. This was like literally when we started Adderform because we both made spaces in our houses for both of us. So I've had it for a while, but it doesn't really fit in this space super well. It's pretty long. It's like 98 inches long. So we actually sold it on Facebook Marketplace and got a fully Jarvis like standing desk. So, and that has not arrived. So I'm just sitting in a desk chair with my laptop on my lap. So <laughs> nice. here we are. That reminds me of... Or it just reminds me of like the first year or like the first like, I don't know, what, six months. We literally like would go to each other's house like every day <laughs> for like yeah, six the first, months. Yeah, the first stretch we like went and I guess we did coffee shops some too. I mean, I don't remember. And then it was like, I guess the beginning of 2018 of the second year, we started going to Calumley's office. So. Yeah, I feel like it got, I guess for, I don't know, probably six months before we went to Calumley. I was working at Calendly's office at a different, like they hadn't moved to their own office yet. They were still at the co-working space. So I was working out of there. But like the six months prior to that, I feel like we, I don't know. Like I remember, <laughs> I don't know. That whole time to me is kind of, it's I don't know. I, I black it out. I black it out. I mean, it was like weird because you're a lot of the time is spent trying to figure out what the heck to do. It's like, oh my gosh, which I guess, I mean, you still, nothing's working. Yeah. Nothing seems to be working. You don't really know. Like some of the stuff you did like might work in like, you know, six to eight or six to nine months. Like it just takes time to like enter the market and for SEO to build up and for all these things that you just don't know what's going to happen. And so you're like sitting there, nothing's happening. And you're like, okay, did we totally just shit the bed on this? <laughs> like what is happening right now? Why we can't get anything going? You know, oh man, that time was. I remember vividly like standing on the deck at my old house talking about like a potential customer that was like one of the classic looking back it's like a classic mm -hmm. like not a fit but they kept we're doing anything to close and, them and ask yeah. yeah like if you guys had this if you guys had that and we would be like okay cool we'll, we'll do, do anything just do that and then it was just like it doesn't matter we just want momentum we just want something to seem like we're doing like one thing to like show us that we're doing the right thing those are tough but yeah we used to go to each other's houses every once in a while we would go to a coffee shop but go to each other's houses. I had an intern that would come to my house like every day, which now when I look back on that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, that was not... It was good though at the time because we needed, yeah. like it was good to have some help on just like random tactical stuff. Oh yeah. Trying that, to flop around on like yeah. the street. Like having stuff. someone was not the thing. It's just like, having them I was having somebody house. come to my house. Every day <laughs> I had to like get up and like I had to like, okay, this person's coming over. I got to like, you know, manage them and their time. I'm like, ugh. That I feel like it awful. only 
it's like if you're looking at it from where we are now, this all sounds kind of ridiculous. But if you're looking at it from where we were just before starting, it makes like mm-hmm. what you're describing is much more laid back, right? Like <laughs> compared to now, it's like, why wouldn't I just let that person work from home and we would just <laughs> talk? But since it was just you and me too, we didn't have all the like async stuff kind of mm-hmm. going full steam. Well, that, and, I mean, people didn't do that back then. Like we're talking like five years ago. People well, didn't do. People, I mean, people, I mean, but it wasn't yeah, people did it, but it wasn't even close to the extent. I don't know if Atlanta is different than other places, but in Atlanta, it was very much like a city where it's like, you work at the office, you know, like that's just what you do. Like that's what everybody does. And we thought we were like, oh man, we're like async and remote with what we were doing, but we were still going to each other's houses. And then like the intern was coming to my house and like, yeah. And that was also hard because like, like I said, that was kind of, it was just like a really hard time in general, like for the company and just like in some ways kind of depressing. It's like, what is happening? Like anytime you're working on any project and nothing like, you know, if you're an artist and like no one's buying your art, like you like that you're doing the thing and it feels good to do the thing. But I don't know. I think. Well, at some point, the- if you're trying to make a living <laughs> off of it, you have to yeah, look in like, the mirror. Well, and, yeah. and because even when you get, even when we have custom, had customers, then like that would be cool in some ways, but it's like they're spending a couple hundred bucks a month. Oh my gosh. You're like waking up in the middle of the night to like do stuff. So dude, yeah, I'm so glad to not be in that position anymore. Even thinking about it makes me feel stressed. So for all you thinking about starting your thing, (laughs) well, also there's going to run into that. Yeah. But you kind of have to go, you you have to go through that stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, some of that you can't avoid. I think that's just the nature of it. But I think also like, even if it had been complete failure, like it just never took off, you kind of have to go through that stuff to learn how to not go through that or how to get past that stuff quicker. Yeah. And like what to sort of register and internalize versus just like discard. Like I was saying with that customer, it was like we should have never clung to that as much. But, but, and, and also hard. like, you know, we've talked about it a bunch on the podcast, you know, about, like raising a little bit of money at the beginning. I think that would have been not that we needed the money like to hire people or something. Like that's just like just an anxiety mental. Yeah, it's just like a mental thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's true. I know we've said that before, but like that would have been interesting to explore some of the options that are out there now. We're out there then cuz we even looked at that from just standard like safes from an angel investor type of thing and like you know didn't I mean we had opportunities to do that stuff and we didn't do it and we like i look back now and i'm like man i mean obviously now i look back and i'm like i'm glad i didn't do that but i do in some ways you know like thinking back if we never would have like made it to where we are now like if it would have failed i definitely would have been like man i i really wish we would have taken some money to make that like a easier just you know a more comfortable situation than what it was I think that's what caused a lot of the stress and anxiety and like, and sometimes at some points it's kind of debilitating. It's like, you don't even know what to do. You may not even do anything because you're just like, oh my gosh, dude, this is like, it's like all you can think about is like consumes you, like how bad things are going. <laughs> so yeah, the two person desk really prompted some reliving there, but this was not intended to be. Yeah. This was, you could tell I, I haven't, you could tell I haven't thought about it. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> thought about it in a while. That really triggered me. Don't bring up those desks again. Yeah. Well, you won't be seeing that desk anymore. So. Yeah. Well, like I said before the call, we're doing a whole like basement build out, which will include one room that's sort of like multiple things, but like mostly an office. 
So we're in the process of trying to pick somebody to do it. And we have a bunch of like, you know, these big companies that might be able to do it. And they send you all the, you know, invoices and very specific, you know, all the specifics about everything that it would entail to basically, you know, do the build out. They want permits and all these different things. And it's going to take this long and all this stuff. And then I have like this one person that's just like, that has done other stuff for us before. And he doesn't do any invoices. He just gives you like a ballpark price. And then he would like, I don't think he has insurance, which is a whole nother situation, which is why we haven't made a move yet. Cause we're like, uh, should we do that? Basements aren't that hard, right? They're not going to fall off the house. Like we can get You're away with this, right? To this and be like, Dang. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, but we need to move quickly because, you know, it's going to take months for this to get done at best, I think. So I just want to get it done because I, you know, the sooner we get it done, the sooner we have all that stuff set up and I'm not, you know, up in the guest room working every day. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the, to... it's one of those, the home projects thing is like super, it can be, obviously it's like a huge privilege and also can be pretty fun, but also is a huge like attention and energy suck. But but yeah, we were talking before we hit record because we've had some varied experiences with various contractors and stuff. But a lot of them, like on all, I guess it's mostly been smaller shops that we've encountered, but they use a thing called Joystap, which is actually pretty, I don't even know what the like contractor part of it really looks like, but it's pretty cool. Like I've used Bonsai for like my own mm-hmm. freelance before. And it's, I guess it's probably like that, but just like targeted at this field. Yeah. But yeah, it's based in Toronto. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So like the fact that I don't know what their pricing is, but the fact that like seemingly lower volume, like more independent people are using it, I guess they must have like some entry level pricing. But. Free. Yeah. Oh, they well, have free. And it's like, I mean, for that's free invoicing. Like, yeah. If I can get yeah. a check, a paper check, I'm probably saving, you know, two or 3%. Mm-hmm. But that's such a hassle too, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, they do like estimating and stuff like that's like a pretty big. I've seen that a lot in the construction tech. We used to have a few customers at user feed that were in that space. And it seems like estimating is like a really big challenge or something that I guess used to be pretty manual or just like, you know, the guy that's been in construction for the longest amount of time just kind of knows. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) It's like so and you're just constantly doing like estimations for you know, to basically get a deal done. So yeah, it looks like they do unlimited estimates and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it looks pretty cool. I'll let our guy know. I'm sure he's like, dude, I'm not doing that stuff. Like I'm just, I'm saving every ounce of money. It's going in my family's pocket. I'm that's sure where, that's, yeah, a, that's where it's tricky to think about the trade-off of like, what is the efficiency? Yeah, exactly. What is the gain? That's something I've evaluated very differently. He'd have our business already if he was using something like this. Cause that was like our drawback. It's like, Oh, he's not really super like buttoned up and professional. Like I don't have an invoice from him. You know, I'm just going off his word. Like if he had something professional, like we'd already be like, he'd have money in his pocket already. Maybe a little less than money than he would potentially, but not that much less. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's sort of like buying a website or something like, yeah, technically you may not have to have one and you can save yourself, you know, a hundred bucks a year or whatever, but that just feels like the cost of doing business. But mm-hmm. what do I know? Yeah. Maybe you should just, dangle that over his head and then see if he he bites we'll see i think it's just like him and his brother and they just 
I don't know. We'll probably yeah, go with I, I would find it useful because whatever they're doing in their head when you, you know, you show them around, you talk about what you want. Like that whole process when they go home and they start thinking through it. I'm sure they're using like a pen and paper or something, but it's like put that somewhere else and then you can share it and then everyone's on the same page. Because if I was on that side of it, I would also want to make sure that the things I'm doing are the things you asked for. And if I do one of those things and you don't like it, as long as we agreed to that, then I have like coverage there too. It's like a CYA protection, you know? Thing. Yep. Yeah. Tony told him, she's like, give us an invoice. <laughs> like the very, yeah. It's at the very least, the, the she gave him a, somebody things. else's invoice and was like, do this. Well, it's funny. So we talked to a person like two years ago and they gave us like a very specific number for a project. And then we basically, we just replied and we always said was like, can you give us any like, bullet points not even like i don't want like dollar you know cent by cent detail i just want to see like and our thinking was like we don't know enough about the work and the cost to know if we're if we cut you know something we don't care about that much it saves us 20k or something you know what i mean like so if you could give us like a bullet point with just like the top level buckets of the work and what they cost that would help us make sure we're prioritizing the right things and deprioritizing the right things and the person shut down, basically responded with like this super aggressive, basically like, I can't believe you wouldn't trust me, blah, blah, blah. And like, so we just said goodbye. It was like, well, we've never is... worked with you. So yeah. And, it, and also know. we weren't talking, this wasn't about trust. We're just like, that number is a number. We're not questioning the number. We're just curious, like what's behind it so that we can understand, like make sure we're on the same page as to what we're agreeing to and whatever. So, but that was kind of like, if that's enough to set you off, I don't think you're. I've gotten similar reactions when I go to buy like, you know, hey, I'm going to buy tickets for this like really big game. And you know how there's always like these fraudsters out there that are like selling these like basically they're selling fake tickets or something like that on eBay or one of these things. And that's how they always react to. They're like, can you send it to this, you know, this different place or whatever? I'm like, no, I'd rather meet you in person. No, can you send to this place? And we're like, well, yeah. I don't really want to. I'd rather just do this. <laughs> like, can we do this in person? I don't really, I don't know who you are. And then they freak out. And it's like their way of getting you to be like, oh, I guess maybe like I'm trying wrong. trying to make you feel bad. And so you do yeah. what, yeah, that actually happened to us on Facebook Marketplace somewhat. <laughs> yep. Not for this desk, but. So maybe, maybe that guy was, that. maybe that guy was a fraudster. That yeah, somebody was, with. I guess there's a recurring scam on there where they try to get you to like, zell them money or something. They basically say like, oh, I just zelled you the money. But is that, like a, is that a verb now? This is, this is, I'm trying. It's <laughs> the banks Zell. really want it to be. Yeah. But it's like, I just sent you the money on Zelle and then they send you like an obviously Photoshop screenshot of a confirmation page. And they're like, oh, actually, I think I sent you too much. Can you Venmo me? Oh, no. What it was was, oh, it says you're not a business account and the business account transaction has to be more than $500. So you need to send me $500 and I'll send you, you know, I'll send you your 500 back plus whatever I owe you for the thing. I'm like, what? This is the most obvious scam of all time. But <laughs> it's sad that I guess it works on some people. But Dang, but yeah, the great. same thing. You call them out and they start getting all sassy. Mm -hmm. you know? it's like, it's, I mean, I think that's like talking. a legit tactic. It's like some people will crack under that, right? It, when you like get really mad at them, thing kind of they'll thing. just be like, oh, I'm out of line. Like I'm not being reasonable. So yeah, let's, let's just do whatever you said. I don't know. People like us wouldn't do that. But there are people, you know, maybe it's like older people that would sort of react that way. But I don't know. Anyways. It's, yeah, bit of a tangent. On 
the ad reform front, we're working kind of on a new, sort of the same product, but kind of a new product. You've been working on it lately, and we kind of we just released it in beta. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit, and then we can jump into the other topic. It's connected to what we already do. So our main thing is screenshot stuff specific to ads. And this is, I guess, in a lot of ways, it's a simpler feature, but it's basically scheduled website screenshots. So for our customers, that can be useful, obviously, for like capturing live ads over time on like certain pages, key pages and stuff, and like different types of ads that don't really fit as well with our current model, especially if they're doing like takeovers and stuff that are like much more universally available, I guess, or more explicitly like declared as opposed to programmatically. We've had, I mean, we've had this come up, I mean, in the last five years, we've had this come up a handful of times where I think it's normally like a publisher. So, you know, like a CNN.com or, you know, New York Times.com or one of these kind of things where they, yeah, they have these like above the fold, you know, full site takeovers, like all this wallpaper stuff everywhere. Every ad on the page is basically the same brand. They sell these sometimes and they usually run on, you know, particular, they'll run for like a whole day, maybe multiple days, I guess. And so I think that's like the main, it's usually like these premium publishers that need, like that do that sort of stuff. Or they're like the only ones that can like they have so many actually, you know, sell that. viewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they have so many viewers that they can actually like get someone to pay for that. So yeah, it could be a good opportunity to sell to some bigger publishers. And we've got a couple. I mean, the reason why we're building it is because we've got a couple kind of lined up that want that, and it's not too far off of our ad screenshot business. So you know, a little wrinkle into what I would say is probably a lot more competitive space, which is just website automated website screenshots yeah it's another area though where i feel like it's i mean it's like the lowest common denominator is like i could build that in a weekend like this is one of those type of spaces where they're depending on who you're talking to i mean that even happened at our old web scraping yeah it's like yeah and it's like it's not untrue if you can focus on a super narrow you know i have two websites and i want to monitor them or something like yeah you could probably like there's the surface area of potential issues and like features and stuff is small but it's one of those areas where I think if you, you know, niche down and like focus your offering on a specific need, then you can start to A, differentiate and B, just focus on people with certain priorities. And like the fact that they can do this all in one place is worth Mm -hmm. value. Well, also like whenever you build something new like that and you start to get some people using it, you're going to find out about all kinds of things that you could do yeah this is the minesweeper effect i think i i know which you know for us i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing given that we have you know a product i don't think it's ever a bad thing i just think it's yeah it can feel like a bad thing because it requires effort to either collate or ignore things (laughs) but i think it's always good to the worst place i mean kind of going back to what we talked about about the early days i feel like the worst place is when you just don't hear anything and you don't know anything and you don't it's like you don't know if you're going in the right direction, the wrong direction. Yeah. So I'd rather get too much. I mean, we even had this with user feed, but it's like I'd rather get too much feedback than not enough. Right. Yeah. That's a good sort of second order benefit of doing new things is obviously the main motivator is because someone wants it or someone said they'd pay for it or someone is actually already paying for it or whatever. But it's also, yeah, it definitely opens up people's, it expands their minds about 
what a in some cases in our especially in our world like what can be automated this one maybe not as much but it's like oh wait some people don't even consider what could be automated and then also it expands their view of what we're capable of like oh they can add this then they could add you know five other things that i'm imagining yep. that seem related in my work so i mean i think there's going to be like that's kind of the weird thing with our business is that we don't really have like any work experience in the ad tech world other than <laughs> what we've done you know with ad reform so it's not like we've been in our customers shoes so we don't really know a lot about like what the use cases could be we can just kind of like guess at them i guess you could say and then just wait to hear them from people so that's a little bit it's something that's a little bit different about our business as a i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are building things that it's their specific problem that's kind of like what it was for us with user feed but in this case it's not necessarily a bad thing if you really focus on feedback like you said and having a really good way to ingest that and ask questions dig deeper and then organize it all and then kind of come up with your priorities you can build a good business that way but yeah i think i mean there might even be like i'm just thinking off the top of my head right now but there might be like you know advertisers might want to advertisers or agencies might want to like monitor you know the look and feel of like the landing pages that all these ads are going to i have no idea like what people care yeah, about totally. or what they and, want. And, so, and that's where they could connect to like you could see different interconnection or connection points between what we already have and this. Mm -hmm. Whereas yep. right now they're kind of, they're connected intellectually, but not literally. So yeah, I think all these other, if you go online, you look up automated website screenshots, they're all focused on kind of the same thing, which is like this broad use case of like, it could be anything. And then we're kind of like going to tailor it towards more like ad tech related use cases. And I think that gives us a little bit, I think that gives us an edge a little bit and could potentially allow us to like charge more than maybe those other companies are and lead to sort of shared leads across the two products. So I think it's, I'm interested to see what happens for sure. Yeah, actually, and we're doing live product discovery. I was just thinking that there are a few things in our feedback backlog, I guess, that could be extended from like could use this as a foundation looking just like kind of like yeah more generic take this url and look at it but look at specific attributes of the image or the network calls or whatever and notify us of things that change or stuff like that so yep like brand safety type stuff like there's different somebody reached out to me and was like giving me all these you could do this and this and this and they were all like ad tech related and i was like i don't understand what you're like i don't know what any of these things mean like, please explain <laughs> deeper. And one thing I think we should, uh, we've kind of done this in the past, but I think we should do more of is around these kind of things is putting them out in the world on the marketing side and trying to, it's a little bit tough to do because we're such in a small pocket, but trying to get to assess interest before you're building or before you're building much. Yep. So maybe we can do that. Let's get that landing page out there. Yeah. In this case, we did kind of the opposite. <laughs> we yeah. we built the feature, but I mean, we scoped it out and it was pretty narrow. So we just built it pretty quickly. I saw somebody the other day and I see people say this sometimes on some of these like indie hacker related places, but they're talking about like getting a landing page out there to see if there's interest. And then like, if there's not, 
they just it's an easy way for them to like move on and i'm like i think in our case it makes more sense because we already have like somewhat of an audience we have customers like a decent amount of customers so we have and like people that know us and our brand in the ad tech market so you have some people to go off of there but i think just throwing up like if you were just like starting a business or something and you're like throwing up a landing page and just hoping that people are going to start to like get to it somehow (laughs) that's probably not a good indicator of whether it's a good idea to work on or not unless you're driving i mean even if you are driving page traffic it's still yeah. like not a guarantee that you're hitting the right people because it even took us a while to find our path. So this guy that we both know, let's say he works for a company in the kind of in the ad tech SaaS world. He's starting something else on the side and he's going to go do that at some point. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. I think I do. Yeah. Adam Sandler said or. Uh... Yeah, sounds yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of what he did. I mean, he didn't build like a landing page. He built like a full website and like he's an seo expert and he just like just did everything he possibly could do and he's already i mean before they even release the product and before he's even like he hasn't even gone full-time on this like it's just you know he hasn't quit his job yet but he's got like he's got all these people like signing up for demos and all this stuff he's like ranked i think he's ranked like number two and this is like a fairly kind of like on the up and up SaaS industry like that he's going into with this product so you know there's a decent amount of competitors that should you know that have been around for probably like years and should be (laughs) ranking way higher but he's found a way to kind of like hustle into you know the number two slot or something like that already with no product and like he's still working for like his full-time gig yeah so in that case that's you did enough like enough (laughs) actual demand generation or whatever you want to call it to tell like maybe Mm. you know you're driving a thousand people a month to your landing page and no one's subscribing like that's not a good sign i mean in his case like these other people have already kind of like built the bones of the market and so he doesn't need to like he knows there's a market and there's a lot of stuff like um, obviously there's a lot of industries and markets like that where you know that there's a market in his case he's just really good at seo and so he was able to quickly get them ranking high. And so people started like finding them first and signing like legit companies, like signing up like companies you would know the names of like SaaS companies and stuff signing up for demos. And he doesn't even like have a product ready yet, (laughs) but that's enough to know like, okay, I can work my magic and get ranked high. This is the only like sort of like marketing channel that I'm doing. And I don't even have a product yet and I'm getting signups. So I should probably like go full time on this and like work all the channels and do all the things and build product and all that stuff. So yeah, anyways, that's, that's a good example of like how you would probably actually want to go that route. So get really good at SEO people. Yeah. I mean, we've had a landing page for Hillchart app for <laughs> three years. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it, it has like five words on it. It's not. It says Hillchart app. <laughs> yeah <laughs> plot your work on a hill yeah no i mean no but that's what i mean like don't conflate that with like well i had a landing page and no one cared like that's not sufficient but we kind of work i mean not that much but we've worked on driving some traffic like through yeah and it, it's worked to some extent yeah people are signing up people like it well we made it's it free. free check so, it out so that helped yeah and yeah but we, people were looking at it before yeah we've had like a hundred or let's see i'm just looking at the thing live analytics we've had like not quite a hundred people create accounts in the past like 
two months. Wow. It's not bad. That's awesome. We should like actually make a legit, even if it's like a one page. Well, I redid the, I actually redid the, I redid it if you remember. I think so. But did you add copy to it? Yeah, I did. Not a ton, but I mean, I don't don't know what we want to rank for. I'm assuming. I mean, that's the thing. This is, this is way too much. No one's going to, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's such a specific group of people. I mean, that's why all the signups come from like this forum post, basically. Well, actually, that's a great, just a quick point for people. The more niche your product is, I mean, obviously, if it's so niche that no one ever need like wants it, then that's a different story. But like, let's say it's it's like it is like a pretty big need, but it's like a very you know it's super niche. But for those niche people, it's like a big need. Probably your best bet is like to search some different things, but find like these forums, so like Reddit and different places. That's where those little like pockets of people are asking those questions and where you want to be showing up. That's like our primary channel with ad reform. And I'm assuming that's probably the primary channel for Hillchart is like some of those different forums that you or I have like, hey, you should check out this thing. It's like, yeah, find, find out where like, people find the, ask the question and just like show up and be helpful. Yep. And... Just be present there. I mean, we even yeah. did that a little bit with Intercom. But mm-hmm. If you can find like Reddit subreddits and whatever else, it's like just go say hi and see what happens. And even that stuff can be long lived because I mean, even so many of the things that I look for, I often will append like reddit filter into my search and like look for reddit posts and stuff and it's like some of them will be old you know and i'll still Mm -hmm. i'll still check them out so it's kind of like long-lived content anyway we have stuff from five years ago that's still probably our number one referral url that like is just some forum that i wrote on five years ago and it's like the thing that it ranks super high now i might have done some things to manipulate that but Neither here nor there. One of my favorites is one that does not drive any traffic, which is when we had like a pseudo competitor that popped up for like a week or something. Oh, it was yeah. a week. And then when they shuttered, we went, we realized our domain was available and we just bought the domain. <laughs> Wait, do we still have that? Yeah. It redirects to our website. So sweet. Pretty well, funny. Yeah. I should check. Sorry. I, Sorry, I just guy. tested it out. It's still, still going. That poor guy. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So we, we I were guess the next on one other thing. Yeah. Topic. Yeah kind of interesting so it's been about almost a year like a year and three months since we sold user feed and bump which for those of you that don't know what that is we had two intercom apps under like the sort of like i guess we i don't even know (laughs) it's so confusing now because like it rolled up under our main business which is ad reform but it's sort of like it was called user feed but then we also had this other app called bump that kind of rolled up under user feed anyways long story short they were intercom apps one was a feedback app on intercom and the other one was like a automated follow-up app anyways we sold the business in january of 20 when was this 2021 like yeah just over a year ago yeah and on micro acquire for like i don't know if we ever talked about this publicly or not but low six figures i don't think we did but low six figures we were doing i don't remember what the revenue was i think maybe let's say like i don't know if we were allowed to talk about that either i can't remember what we're allowed <laughs> yeah. to talk about contractually like but yeah. let's say yeah like decent, it was not decent. very high i mean yeah, yeah it was i don't know in the single digit single digit mrr yeah well yeah not a single digit <laughs> no sorry not single single yeah. 
digit thousands. Four, four, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyways, but we had, right when we sold it, like probably two months prior to that, that's when we came out with Bump. Our strategy was basically, let's build multiple apps on Intercom and use them sort of as a flywheel to kind of like play off each other. Because there wasn't really like, Intercom's app store was like basically our main channel for new customers. So we needed some other way to kind of like build a flywheel. And so that was like, that was basically our strategy. Anyways, we built it. It started getting some really good traction. We decided at that time for a number of reasons, go back. You can look back at old episodes. I think there's an episode where we like talked about like the first time we talked about selling it, which I think we went through a lot of that stuff. You should check that one out. But yeah, we basically decided to sell the business and sold it pretty quickly, like in a month. And yeah, we were, I think, I don't know, three months down the road, we were basically like out, like it was, you know, with the owner and we were done. And so we haven't really talked about it that much since that happened, but there's been a new event that is prompting us to bring it up again, which is we saw that the business is up for sale on microacquire and it's <laughs> on the what do they call it is it like a profile or whatever for that company like it's very public like they mentioned the na- you know the name of the product and everything so this isn't anything that's not public knowledge but they put it up for sale i think it's up for sale for was it 500 500k yes i think so quite a bit more than what we sold it for and based on the numbers that are on that public profile, the business is doing, I think, I don't know, fairly well. Like double. Yeah. It's hard to tell totally, but yeah, it's definitely the annual revenue is almost twice what it was. Yeah. So we're still customers. We're still users of the product. And in the past like year, a little bit over a year, not, there hasn't been a ton of like at least noticeable changes in terms of like features and stuff. So, I mean, basically, what I think a lot of people do when they buy these businesses is they buy the business and it's meant to be sort of like a cash flow entity for them. A lot of the people who buy the business may not be like developers. So they'll either not, you know, do anything on the dev side or, you know, contract someone or maybe hire somebody to do that stuff. But yeah, there hasn't been like, you know, no changes that would just suddenly drive a ton of growth, but the business has grown like basically, it's basically grown like 100% in that time frame without much effort, which I mean, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I'll no. pat, pat ourselves on the back there <laughs> a little bit. I mean, so yeah. anyways, the cool thing to, I mean, I guess like, so I don't know if it'll sell for 500K, but it could, I mean, based on the revenue that they're at, like, that's not totally out of the question in terms of revenue multiple and it's very profitable. So let's say they do sell it for 500K. Like, I mean, for anybody out there that's like looking to like buy a business and, you know, a lot of people are thinking buying it and growing it and trying, you know, making it this like cash flow thing. You could also like think about the fact that like if this grows, you know, X percent over the next year, two years or whatever, like I could sell this for, you know, whatever, right? Like three to five X, depending on what the business looks like and what the profit is and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's going to make, let's say, let's say he sells it for 500. Like he's going to make a significant profit in basically one year. 
from buying the business, which I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, for him, for sure. Yeah, I'm, it gets me wondering too. Obviously, I mean, businesses have been bought and sold for many, many years, but I feel like there's been a huge growth in smaller software companies, especially like with microacquire and stuff coming around and growing. I'm wondering how many, it would be interesting to know how many products have been sold multiple times on mm. microacquire. I wonder if they know that, but I bet not that much. Like, I, I would assume not that many that just because it's not that old, right? And yeah, people... in this case, I mean, I know a little bit of the backstory that I won't like talk about, but like, I think this might be like a little bit of a special case. It's not just like I'm just going to profit or what, you know what I mean? Like, so I think a lot of times, I mean, but yeah, most people, I, I guess that's what I don't know. Kind of like that's what I'm, I'm wondering from almost like as it would be a gauge of that. Is this a special case or are there other people out there who are just sort of like aggregating? various or you know buying various SaaS businesses kind of keeping them going but not you know dumping a bunch of time and energy into them and then like trying to flip them um, like you know i mean medium to long-term assets kind of thing yeah that's got to be like the strategy of of some of these like the micro SaaS pe companies that's got to be their strategy is it can't just be purely like we're gonna you know have all these profitable businesses and just like print money and you know dish out dividends forever well because also you got to think that they're like a bunch of over time you're going to run into the degradation of a product if you buy it and like it's sort of like if you bought a house and you don't do anything to it for two years it's probably fine five years maybe it's fine but over 10 years it's like it's going to fall apart slowly like so probably the same goes here there's probably some place at which you're running into churn and competition and that's a good point it's like What's the op? If you buy it, what's the optimal time to sell it? Because unless you have, you know, an entire dev team or something that's like that can update the tech stack as you go, like you're kind of you're definitely going to be vulnerable to a lot of issues, you know, after like three years or so. And less. Although I say that, and then you know, ad reform, like we've done some things. We've done we waited a while to do some different things so maybe i don't know yes four no. years is yes. like a good but i mean it obviously there's no one number right it depends yeah. so much on the market but the market yeah and like at least on the tech debt side we have been keeping up with like security patches and stuff we've never so even that starts to fall behind right and then you become yeah. also less attractive to someone who actually wants to it's sort of like your house becomes less attractive to me if i know i have to dump you know a bunch of time and money into it to bring it back to just normal you know yep i guess if you're looking at it as like if you're making these purchases and you're looking at it as a way to you know i want to run my own business and that's all i'm going to work on something full-time and i'm gonna try to grow this thing like as big as i can grow it you know that's one profile of person that's buying and then the other profile i would think is like someone that is you know i'm buying these businesses as cash flow assets you know just like real estate or something and since you're already like thinking of it purely from like a cash flow like roi (laughs) rei roi (laughs) perspective then you may be more willing to just like flip it it's like wow this thing's grown super fast you know what it's grown faster than it has (laughs) you know in the previous year when the previous owner had it which i wouldn't have expected but also, I mean, I guess, and I'm not having dive, like looked at the specifics, but it's obviously due to the thing that was released just before. So yeah, um, mostly. Yeah. So I don't regret selling the business because 
our other business is much further along and you know it de-risked things for us it gave like we had a good financial year personally last year because of it and it was a cool experience and yeah overall i don't regret it i certainly am like looking like i'm definitely in a small way thinking from a learning experience standpoint like okay we should have given bomb a little bit more time to see how that played out because yeah, I think there was clear traction there, like quickly. And I think we, well, just and that's, I mean, we built it because we got, it was like, we had direct connections with a bunch of people using yep. intercom all day. And that's what sourced that we didn't like invent that. Well, idea, I mean, so. yeah. So it was like, we knew from the beginning that there was going to be good demand there, but like that gave us like our first 10 customers, but then like the next 10 right after that, we're all like totally net new you know, came in. No, no, I'm just I'm saying like, I think it was clear from the beginning, like literally the impetus for doing it was that it was clear there was like a decent amount of demand there. We didn't know what the pay, like willingness to pay would be since it was something like, you're getting along just fine without this. So are you going to be willing to, how much are you going to be willing to pay for this? But the thing I tried to remember, it's so easy to look at this stuff in hindsight, be like, oh, we should have done this. We should have done that. And it reminds me of, I don't even know the quote or much less who's attributed to, but it's basically like talking about stock trading and how no matter what you do, basically, you're going to regret whatever you do. Because it's like you either bought too late, you bought too early and sold too early, or you bought too late and you missed the big wave. Or like literally everything you do doesn't work. Based on the last year of the stock market, I definitely don't regret selling you. <laughs> it's like now I'm like all about like once it gets up there, I'm just selling it. Like I don't care if it goes higher. Like, but I'm then just take when it my does, gains. Yeah, but then that's what happened here, right? Or potentially assuming it's able to sell. It's like, it's sort of like I'm always, if you, like I would much rather be like we feel like we're at a good place to part with it and we made a little money and moved on like more power to the next person if they're able to do the same thing right but yeah I would say like my big take and I was going to say the other factor that we haven't talked about about this is the platform risk part and that is still very much a thing I don't have any inside information here but I have to imagine it doesn't appear to be that that's like a major factor but I think it probably could be because especially for bump, like there's no similar that's product. That's such a as far it's such am, a obvious like, yeah. It's, it's such an obvious needed feature of intercom that it's like I saw their recent webinar of like pre feature previews or whatever, and there was nothing like that in there. But there was more automation type stuff coming. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember that happened right as we were looking at selling it too. Like things that looked like they were gonna like clearly yeah head to head with that, which obviously maybe didn't come to pass. But yeah. I always wonder why they don't like you have all these developers in intercom. I understand like people are working on a bunch of different things, but you'd think that they'd have like even just one per or, like one yeah, dev I mean, they or somebody that's they building should. like it's like intercom labs and it's just like purely like apps for the inbox. I mean, we kind of talked about being those like we had two businesses and it was never like we were never approached, but yeah, it was like we kind of were that team for them because we would that talk would to be. them and we would build stuff and we would talk to customers and we started a community like we did all this stuff before they had yep. a community like so we did our best, <laughs> but we weren't even like full time on it. I mean, we we were during yeah. periods and we weren't during periods, but yeah, I definitely would have, especially if you look like look at one of these products that's already built in your ecosystem and just like aqua hire them and have them just build stuff. They actually did try to do that. I heard. They tried to do that to one of the other apps. I think that was a little bit weirder. I think there were... There was more... From what I know. Yeah. Was, they have since built their own thing. 
that is that's what yeah that's like i'm not saying like buy someone who saves you dev effort on a thing you're going to make but almost just like look at these little like in smaller time development shops that are like building random products maybe you never care about because from my understanding they don't care about building a lot of feedback stuff i'm sure they you know long enough time horizon they'll build everything but they still haven't really entered that market so you know who knows yeah i understand they probably like wouldn't want any product that comes out of intercom number one is like probably things that need to make them money based on like all the things they do it seems like everything's got to make them money you know like (laughs) this is going to go on this upper tier thing but also there's probably a certain standard you know you can't just whip something out there that's you know like some sort of like app or whatever like everything is seen as like part of the product but i think if they stuck like labs next to it and just like made it very clear that everything all these little apps are like beta apps or something that is probably true though that's probably part of the evaluation is like it's a brand dilution slash like i don't know expectation thing you could also see and i know slack and other platforms have done like funds i mean you could see them doing that too like you know, do some sort of pitch contest or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how you would actually do it, but it's like instead of us building it and having that weird conflict of interest and all that stuff, we'll just like fund the ones that we think are cool and take some of the upside, you know. So now user feed bumps, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's a six figure annual recurring business. I know of at least two other intercom, I know three other intercom apps or like products built on intercom that either were or are six figures so i don't know that there's like you're going to be building you know multi-million dollar products on top of intercom and then off the top of my head i can think of probably like i don't know 10 different ideas of apps you could build that could be six-figure businesses on intercom (laughs) like you know years from now if you were to work on this so i think it's one of the better places to build like on platforms and especially for like i just think people like don't even think about it as one of the places to do it i think it's like very for whatever reason it's just not thought of as like one of the you know the platforms to build on to yeah build i think a business support on. in general is just i mean as much innovation and like attention i feel like it's gotten a lot more interesting in the past five or even 10 years thinking back to like early days at rigor like i guess that's around before intercom even existed and you look at what the landscape was, it was all like email-based ticket BS, basically, which is obviously what helped Intercom become what they are now. But And like you think things like full story and all that kind of stuff popping up, like there's been a lot of cool stuff around a lot of these things. But the zooming in, if you just zoom in, a lot of the workflow stuff is just not great still. Because it's like you're just, oh, we bought Zendesk. And it's like whatever Zendesk has, that's what we use. Like there's no oh, they have APIs, like maybe you're big enough and you have like some developer build you a little thing or whatever. I mean, we even did that at Rigor, but short of that, it's like, there's not a ton of, I don't know. It's just not normal, I guess, to, it's almost like the same thing I was alluding to with ad reform is a lot of times too, it's the people doing the work aren't always either able to or given space to think about better ways. Because a lot of support metrics are like so heads down and it's like get in clock in do your work get out and i don't know how much room is given or attention is given to let's step back and like evaluate our process and identify bottlenecks and you know do that kind of stuff yeah i think it's probably like this in a lot of different like markets but like in the like support platform market you sort of have 
I would say you have like some of these like really entrenched established players that have been there a long time. They're kind of like the big like enterprisey like Zendesk basically. And then you've got like I wouldn't call Intercom the up and comer. They were the up and comer. But now they're I mean, they're getting up there with Zendesk. I mean, they're, they close, might as well be IP public on. at this point. Yeah, yeah, like but they're definitely seen as like the more modern support platform. And in a lot of ways way better than Zendesk. And in, in some ways way inferior in terms of like pure like amount of things that you can do with it just because Zendesk has been around a lot longer and has supported like the enterprise use cases a lot longer and so therefore has a lot more enterprisey like features but like you could look at a lot of markets and just go to like whoever that entrenched player is you know look at like the features that they have that the new kind of up and comer but like you know definitely more modern platform like doesn't have and then just fill it in build something for that like and i think build that's where the, the platform risk the, conversation comes i mean because it's yeah you can stand up some stuff i mean even bump being an example of like something that doesn't take once you have the idea framed out it's not like a huge deal to execute on it at least some basic version of it so but then that's yeah the as soon part. as you do and it the has decent <laughs> success you're like oh shoot like yeah <laughs> i'm standing here just waiting to get crushed by you know the platform who's like, oh, that was cool. That took you a couple of weeks to make. Okay, I should just like, you know, move a couple bits here and a bytes there and ta-da. I think that's something we learned. I mean, like with user feed and bump, I think we spent a lot of time on user feed and we really tried to go deep and we really tried to chase after every, you know, all the feedback that we got. We try to chase after, you know, building that stuff out for customers and really trying to like, I don't know the right word, but it's, you know, we spent a lot of time on user feed, years on user feed. And then with Bump, it's like we had like sort of, I don't know, learned our lesson or something. If we're going to do any sort of intercom app or anything built on a platform where there are risks like that, like we might as well just like give it some sort of, I don't know. There's some boundary of like time. It's like, yeah, just like here's our budget for this thing, basically. Exact like time budget. Like we're willing to spend a month on this. And also like this thing, if it does succeed, needs to be a thing that can succeed with like very low touch support. The user feed was high, like not high, but like there was definitely a learning curve for people because we were doing things in a pretty different way especially towards the end like some of the stuff we built out is like pretty complex so there's just a lot to like we were like trying to teach people how to do stuff and it's just like that's not even like support like we're like as we were trying to train we had like a point of view that we also wanted to get across that was just not quite it was just off from standard in a way that made people like wait but what about this thing i'm used to so yeah so i think what we learned is like it's okay to do those types of things and take a little bit of a risk on the like platform risk type stuff if you think that, you know, being in the app store, like you could get some really like just simple traction right away, grow a six figure business that's very profitable and low touch. And you could do that with like very minimal effort from a dev and support standpoint, then like that makes sense as a business. So I think Bump kind of showed that because like, I mean, yeah, like the growth of that whole business entity at this point has mostly been bump i think they have like i don't know how many customers but I yeah think i mean like i guess hundreds. there is some 
just to be, I don't know the numbers and I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know, but I know that a portion of the revenue is still, it's not like it's all bump. So A, if you can grow a six figure business, it's going to take some time and B, it's probably going to require more than one thing. But then like the takeaway there too is, I mean, this is something we talked about a lot, but it's like diversify. So platform risk is very real. And the two options for diversifying are, if you're going to build on a platform is building on multiple platforms, which obviously can work and is something we we talked about doing, but never did. And, or just building multiple things. So it's like you're diversifying products on the same platform, which I do, especially if you're small, I do like that route because you have all this knowledge that you build up about a platform and like connections and whatever. So it can be nice to reuse that instead of trying to build that up across multiple platforms. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like an easy business idea for those that care. (laughs) An easy business idea is to just look at one of these platforms, find some common like integration that probably most people are either doing manually, like trying to integrate, you know, that platform and some other tool or they're using like Zapier and just make like really solid, more native, not native integration, but like a lot better than what you could do with Zapier. I think one of the top apps on the Intercom App Store, I, I'm pretty sure because, I mean, it's in their little top app thing, is the Jira Jira Intercom app. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like, you would think that, I mean, the way it looks, it like looks like Intercom like built it because they do have, Intercom does have like some apps that they built themselves. I think Trello is one of them, I think. But they built one, or there's one that looks like, you know, something they built. And it, it's just some guy that built this thing out. And I think he has, like, he's been doing this for a long time. Like, I think, like, five years or something. I would bet he's got a pretty solid business. He probably has, I mean, I don't know if he has, has a million-dollar business, but he probably has, like, I don't know, I'd say probably, like, mid-six figures, which for, you know, one person is pretty That's literally the one I built at, at Rigor. Was yeah. Like- <laughs> too bad before they, they had, had a platform yourself. they didn't i mean they had like an api so it was it was very janky but it worked but but yeah i mean Should've, that's a perfect example of where if you're using jira the odds are obviously unless you're super small on like the free tier the odds which in which case stop using jira please but if you're at some giant company that has to use jira you're also gonna you would much rather pay for like a thing that just does a, a super simple thing that ties into jira than wire up all these stupid zaps i mean there are going to certainly be developer types who would you know get some pleasure out of doing that but if there's something that's readily available that you can click install on and pay five bucks a month or whatever it is like do it right so that is a perfect example of where you by picking the right in our case it was different because we were building apps that lived especially bump but it's they're both like apps that basically extend the platform to do more but they are not like connecting two things if you can connect two things, like it can be harder in some ways because obviously there's like API changes on both sides and all this crap. But if you use the second platform, you can like kind of hitch your wagon to an obvious buyer. Like anyone who buys Jira is going to be willing to spend five more dollars to access support. Also, teams. anybody that buys Intercom. I mean, these people are <laughs> like... Well, no, but I mean, I think the support people probably have a harder time advocating for that, if I were to guess. Yeah. But that is one plus to building on a platform given well like i don't know like whatever platform it is if the platform is one that costs a lot you already know that those customers can spend and are spending significant money on that thing so whatever your little thing is that's like you know one 
one millionth of the price or whatever, it's like, it's nothing. You can probably raise prices pretty easily, like throughout the life of your business. And nobody will even budge. Like they won't even, I mean, obviously, depending on like, do you have competitors, things like that, obviously that matters. But if you don't have competitors, which, you know, like someone like the Jira app, like who else is going to build a Jira app? If there already is one, it's like one of their top apps. Why would you go on there and build another I mean, one? Like I just... mean, honestly, you could probably build one and have it be like functionally very similar, maybe some slight differentiation and probably make like a decent business. Like it wouldn't be interesting to do that to me, but I mean, it's... I mean, you already you could did do it. it. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, I was the first one. It's no big deal. It's on my GitHub. Check it out. There's a guy on there. I'm pretty sure it's just one guy. He basically did what the Jira guy did, except for he did it for like, I haven't looked in a while. It's been like a year since I looked. But he did it for like, I want to say like 10 different apps. So he just like built yeah, like smart. I mean, it's more smart solid idea. integration. Yeah. And then he charged, it was like nothing. It's like, hey, you oh, get, I remember access, that, you get I access to all of it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, that, that's a cool I wonder how that's I was going to say that's the one thing. I think it can go either way. But the one thing that I think can help, I would think would help, although we never experienced it. But I would think would help the billing story is if like the platform does the billing. I know that can get annoying on either side. But I think it does reduce friction if like Intercom's developer platform had a billing component that you could use because then people could just like click install and start using your thing. And like, obviously they get billed. I think the reason they don't do it is because they probably don't see it as like enough, like it's not going to be enough revenue for them. Well, and also on the developer side too, it would probably be at best case, it would be as easy as doing maybe slightly easier than like using Stripe. But even that's getting so easy now that like it would be hard to compete with how easy it is to use Stripe, but maybe it'd be slightly easier if they're giving you like access to like the underlying data that you would want to use, like number of seats and stuff. But worst case, it would be much harder to integrate. And also you lose the direct relationship, which is a big loss. Like I know a lot of Apple developers complain about that with having to use Apple's like payment system is that like you can't issue refunds and you can't like you lose a lot of that control which is definitely not great but it would be nice to not have people have to like type in a credit card especially if they're like a support rep trying to get something but in some ways that might be harder too because it's like it's a support rep but then they got to go up the ladder to like find out if they can do the thing i don't know like because they wouldn't just be able to like i'm sure there would be yeah, like there'd be permissions or something permissions on either way they're stuff. probably gonna have to get approval i guess but i don't know if they'll do that just because I, yeah, again, like, remember... I mean, I wouldn't. If they do it, I would do it later because it's also a, a huge hassle to build that if you're them. Like, yeah, wait and see if there's enough money, like, changing hands. Because most of the, I mean, most of the popular apps are, like, free apps that connect to other paid products. So it's not going to be useful for them at all in that case. The majority of the apps built on Intercom, at least, like, two years ago, what they told us, it's, like, they're not third-party apps. So they're, like, companies building apps for themselves it's a lot of apps but i don't remember the numbers i think it's a little bit misleading because i think we can have jeff gardner back on and give him a hard time for this but i think if you like provision like an api key or whatever like i think that counts as an app so i <laughs> i don't know if a zapier would count against that or not but like it's not hard they to were, create they something were padding that their stats like yeah i think they, they were padding their stats in that presentation <laughs> Maybe so. Or in some of your like data export type things, like people might be using it just to like dump data out periodically and stuff. But yeah, we'll have to see what happens here. I mean, it could be cool. I'd be curious to reach out to Andrew over at MicroAcquire and see if he knows anything about like 
double Multiple, double sales, sales triple yeah. sale yeah because that would be i mean yeah. that would be something interesting for them to track too because you're looking at like returns and yeah. i don't know there's different data you could look at there too but yeah I, th- I think i mean it's definitely like i never thought before seeing this i've never really thought about people buying companies and buying them to like flip in like a short amount of time i mean obviously that would be like something people would do but i talked to someone about this at microconf like 16 years ago when we went to those kind of things but i think it was a shopify developer who was doing something like that like buying a couple things that looked like they were like could be better or that they had some vision for and trying to flip them over the course of a year or two or something so i mean it's like when you think about it this is like the beauty of like growth in a SaaS business and like compounding it's like every dollar that you make, like let's say he makes that sale, it's like every dollar that the business made, you know, higher than what we were at, you know, basically multiply it by five. That's how much it's worth ish, right? So like getting to something more significant, it just like it just starts to compound so much so quickly when you start going like that's I mean, we all know that that's the beauty of of software. And that's the hard part too. So <laughs> yeah, and also there's a world where this went the complete opposite direction. Oh yeah, totally. So I mean, it's hard to know. Like, intercom releases feature that makes bump obsolete, and like, there goes half the revenue or more, right? So it's hard to know. It's cool. I mean, it's kind of cool. Like maybe depending on how this all shakes out, maybe we can like revisit this topic. I'm sure we'll find out. Like whatever happens from the owner. Actually, I'm fairly certain we'll be getting a call from whoever buys it <laughs> yeah <laughs> before they buy it yeah i'm not looking forward about to it that, but yes. here you can listen to this podcast here. yeah i'll be like not my problem like this is why yeah. i divested so they're definitely going to reach out and they're going to i mean like they may want to use you as like a contractor or something it's an interesting thing i hadn't really thought about until now because selling like a versioned you know code base obviously there's a lot of the versioning is like a source of a bunch of knowledge right because you can see the how a thing evolved like if i bought your ebook off dropbox like imagine if you just instead of just sending me a pdf you sent me like every version of the file on dropbox i guess i'm thinking like (laughs) in some ways i'm like oh i should have maybe i should have like started a new repo pushed the latest version and just like so they would just leave me alone no (laughs) because now it like right now it has all the history of everything so it's like any little thing that comes up you can like blame and you can see who did it and like what this, you know. And they're going to come to you. Metadata around like why, this what guy? was happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But anyway. Yeah. We have no relationship with them like we have with the person that bought it. So that it, there's even like less like they like don't care. I can do like, freelance consulting for $10,000 an hour. So. Yeah. I mean, set the price, man. You got all the leverage. I can't do anything, but you know. They want to talk to me for eight hundred dollars now. You'll answer the phone, so that's where yeah. you'll. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, I think that was the main topic we wanted to hit. So we will keep everybody updated with what happens. And if you want to, if you have interest in buying it, you should go check it out. Yeah, check it out on MicroAcquire. <laughs> yeah, bring your checkbook. <laughs> you have to search around for it though, and because I guess they do make everything anonymous, but then like the current owner put all the information yeah like, like the on, on the, the listing itself is not obvious but it's in if you just get to the landing page it's like very clear it's pretty obvious i think the listing was like feedback product or feedback app built on intercom 
so it's kind of obvious. I guess it could be <laughs> yeah. something else. I mean, there's there a bunch are, of those, like twenty feedback yeah. asks. Yeah, yeah. literally, <laughs> like so every many. month there's still a new one popping up. But yeah, everybody. I guess people did get the memo that building. I think they just well, it wasn't building an app on intercom. It was just like we're going to copy Canny. And well, and yeah, we were building a business does. on intercom, not like building an app that integrates with intercom. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. Well, until next time. Yep. We'll talk again soon. <laughs> See ya. See ya.